Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, this is going to be a deep one. (laughs) Just letting y'all know now where we're headed with this one. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. I mean, I guess I could say like majority of our episodes, they do have some, they have, you know, high potency and gravitas, but I just think, and and depth, but I think by the nature of... Your work, your work is really just rooted in going deep. Yeah, um, yeah. So we are very honored today to be joined by Resma Medicam. Now, here's the thing. I mean, you're an author. Author. But you're also a psychologist. Yeah. So where, what do you like, what, how do you like to be um, credited when you're, when you're in places like psychologist slash author? Uh, no, no, no. No, I'm I'm actually not a psychologist. My 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 social worker brethren would be upset if I let okay. you go. I'm a, I'm a clinical social worker. And okay, that is that is misrepresented online. Yeah. But that <laughs> listen, online no, has misrepresented hey, me. I have not, I have hey, a white mom. Hey, I'm an AKA. Hey, hey, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. They got you messed up. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm whatever they want me to be on a Tuesday or Wednesday. You know. So, um, yeah. Okay, so you're a clinical social worker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a clinical social worker. I'm an author. I'm a dad. I'm a wife. I'm a wife. I'm a husband. Um, well, you know the masculine and the feminine. They both, you know, right. they yeah, both exist all, within. All that's exactly all of And I, you know, for this conversation, I just would like to be referred to as brother. That's all. All right, brother. Let's do that. That's Let's easy. That's Let's easy. So, I um, learned about Resma. From your book, Grandma's, uh, my grandmother's hands, and the around you know, and this this the conversation around how generational trauma lives within our bodies, right? And I feel like for me that had been something that had been kind of like maybe theorized and just like sprinkled about, but then you came with this yeah. seminal work, yeah, that yeah. really grounded that conversation and. Um, I feel like a lot of folks reference it. We actually had this dude on here called, uh, called. we had a dude on here named Daniel Collins. He's a white guy who mm-hmm. went to prison. And while he was in prison, he was doing his whole white supremacist skinhead situation. Oh, I know. I, yeah, I, I didn't see no boy. I seen no boy before. I seen him on some stuff before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he references your book. Oh, like, okay. And then, okay. I mean, I don't know how often he does, but in our interview, he referenced your book as one of the texts. Yeah. That supported his awakening and yeah. realization that, like, oh, I've been yeah. misled, and yeah. you know, and um, mm-hmm. and and so it, that was interesting to me because I also feel like the same way that Black folks have ancestrally 
are are ancestrally dealing with the trauma from our ancestors, like in our DNA. I feel like a lot of these, these white folks got some Come shit on. going on in it. Come like, on. Come on. Come on. It's not just the trauma. That's right. It's the traumatizing. That's that's it. exactly right. That's exactly right. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. And 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 so this is the piece that when I do interviews, this is why I like doing interviews specifically with black women, because black women catch nuance before anybody else does. <laughs> they, <laughs> nice. Right? Everybody reads that book and they, they come away with some some people come away with the idea that all I'm doing is talking about black tragedy and black horror and 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 all the brutality that 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 our people have experienced. What they miss is the piece that white folks ingested and and the trauma that white folks ingested. And over time, that ingestment became decontextualized and now looks like standard. And so the silence, the silence, the silence in white bodies when they see horror, the, 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 the automatic silence that happens is a trauma response. Right. That 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 most most white bodies that I talk to, sis, most white bodies that I talk to are descended from white bodies that were fleeing something. Pause in that white body. Most white bodies that I talk to are descended from white bodies that were fleeing something. So, for instance, you know, Puritans were fleeing. Yes. Religious persecution. Yes. Irish yes. people were fleeing the potato yes. blight. Yes. OK. Italian people. All they mm-hmm. were fleeing something. Here's the key. That fleeing never got dealt with. And so the construction by the time and poor white bodies for a thousand years caught the blues from elite white bodies. Mm-hmm. From from I mean, when you're talking about the crusades, when you're talking about uh, 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 taking people's land and stuff like that, white Europeans perfected that on poor white Europeans. Right. Then would think about that. That okay. happened for a thousand years. When we're talking about the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages, right. we're talking about yeah, peasants. we're talking about brutalization, right? Yeah. Then that body started to venture out into the world around the 1400s, right? And then by the time, because of all that brutality, by the time elite white bodies after the Bacon Rebellion offered poor white bodies the chance to be white. There had been so much brutality that they took it with both hands and they accepted it with both hands. That was because the trauma bed had already been dealt. They knew that to fight against elite white bodies in their in, in their bodies, their bodies knew that to fight against elite white bodies, they would they would not survive. So they ended, so it had softened the ground to the point to where when they offered them, hey. You can now be white. You don't have to. Yes, Italian is fine. If you want to hang some Italian things, if you want to do some Irish things, that's fine. But you are white. You are you are now inside in the of the pigment. You are now in the club and, and part of a pigmentocracy. Right? Whew, you are, pigmentocracy. Yeah, you are, yeah. That that pigment. Listen, here's how deep this is. When you're watching people in the Ukraine fleeing from war, determining who gets to get on boats and buses <laughs> and who doesn't. That that's the pigmentocracy. And pigment and and the race question in this country, sis, has always been a species question first. Elaborate. Okay. 
a species question. The term race was used to identify species first. It was set the race of dog, a race of bird, a race of wolf, a race of cat. Oh, That's okay. the way it was identified. In 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 the, uh, it was it was a species. It was a way to find uh, to 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 categorize species. What these white folks did is they took the term and made it and and then added the pigmentation pieces to it. So. When you're talking about race, you are literally talking about the white body. And this is the way this definition is my organizing rule, is that the white body deems and has deemed itself the supreme standard by which all bodies humanity shall be measured philosophically and structurally. If you don't understand that one piece, everything else will confuse you, right? That there is that 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 they gave breath to the idea that pigmentation was a what was really about species. So the darker you are, the less human you are. We're oh, all oh wow. Right? Yes. So it's yes. all a part yes. of speciousness. That's why you see the feralness that happens when you start to begin to talk about race among white folks. White folks have no none collective racial agility or efficacy when it comes to race. They have none. Because it's no not, it's, it's just a moving target. That's, like, that's right. it, I, not- I mean, I was saying the other day on my Instagram and let me know, you know, as an expert, if you agree, I have, whiteness is based on access and, yes. and excess. Yes. So yes. Yes. when it needs to gain more access, when it needs to um, have more ability to, to expand it just nice. invites more people in that's exactly right and white people are the ones that get to determine that. of course they get to determine who comes in who's part of the club so this species piece the species piece is so important is that when as we're having a race discussion and we notice see race has a four to five hundred year old charge to it and this is the piece that people miss all the time we always want to talk about, we want to have a dialogue about race. We want to talk about race. We want to reach across the aisle. We want to do all of it. But we never account for the fact that race in and of itself has a charge to it because, because there has been such a thwarting. Race is a brutal endeavor and there's a thwarting capacity that it has. That energy, as Einstein said, uh, 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 energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So that energy that keeps getting, it's almost like shaking up a soda bottle, that energy that keeps getting thwarted, right? Mm-hmm. That energy wants to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the way and the and the and the way that the white folks constructed this system and the structure was that the where that energy should go is into black and indigenous and brown and black bodies. That was that was the off-ramp for poor white bodies. Okay. Do you understand? So 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 Elite white bodies understood right after the Bacon Rebellion that if they didn't create something, then poor white bodies and the enslaved black bodies would come together again and overtake Virginia the next time. Right? Absolutely. Right. So what? So when? So about five years after that is the first time you start to see in Virginia law in the 1680s is the first time you start to see things like white persons, not white merchants, not landowners, persons. So anybody, 
anybody with white skin. This is why, this is why I don't say white privilege anymore. I say white advantage because in a structure that's predicated on the white body being the standard of humanness, it is not a privilege, just a privilege to be white. It is an advantage off top to be white in a white body. Right. This is going to sound real. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe just it's it, idealistic, it. but all of this is so. It's all. It, I guess the wickedness of it always. It just never ceases to amaze me, and the planning of it also has always seemed to me to be so. Even in its, um, even in its, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's rawest form like right. there was a clear yes. directive and i've i mean i've read stamp from the beginning you know i i do have a degree i've i've studied but i feel like i never have really truly come to understand like how the thought process around race e- like what where did that even begin to form to say to say like Oh, we got to make this more formal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in order to like, who were the whites that were like, let's start this white thing. Like, who were they? Like, was it a small group? Was it a group chat? Like, like, was it the Royals? Like, it just feels like it, 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 it always feels to me like the way we talk about human creation. Like there was like a big bang and it just like appeared out of nowhere. And then people were on board with it. And I know there's Mm -hmm. been, studies and conversation and research around like, well, you know, there were, there were Arab factions and there were group. Go ahead. I know I'm just rambling right now. No, 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 no. This, this, the reason why I like what you're saying is because this is part of the confusion around race that it, that the system um, needs, right? Is that we think, we think that when we're talking about white folks, right? We think that we're so. So, I, so in my workshops, there's a question that I that I pose to to, to the white folks because when I do my workshops, I, I separate. I separate the white folks and then I separate the bodies of culture. Right? Is because white folks come into that even if they're the quote unquote good ones, they come into it with this charge that they don't even realize that they have. They come into it with these pieces that are that are you know. That are pretty vicious, but they, but they, but they come off as inquiry. So, so, so one of the questions I ask people is, when did African people start to develop pale skin? I mean, I would assume less colonial. than eight, less than eight thousand years ago. Colonialism. Yeah. Well, no, no, it was, it was, it was, it was less than 8,000 years ago that, that the European started develop pale skin for most of the European. I thought you said the the African. No, the European, the European, the European, we have, we haven't always had pale skin people. What? Teach me. Sis, sis. All I'm gonna say to you when you get off the, when you get off when you get off this, mm-hmm. just Google. Don't be, even believe me. 
Google the term and science and, and more and more science within the last four years, more and more science is coming out about this. For most of our history, it is not until about 8,000 years ago that you start to see paler skin. And they think it's because of a vitamin D deficiency. But, but for most of our human history, we haven't had pale skin. Google Europeans or Africans develop, Europeans developing pale skin. Just in all of these scientific articles, it's not something that I've made up. You, you can pull it. Now, now here's, here's, here's the, here's where I'm going with this is that when you say that to most white bodies, there is this, or, or most bodies in period, there is this disbelief. We've always had pale skin. We've always right. had- We've been skin. here, Vikings. No, no. White, for, remember, the mitochondrion in your body right now comes from a black woman. Yes, so does, Lucy. So does, so does, yep, and so does every other human being on this earth. They have the same mitochondria. Okay, right. That's from a black woman. They, we have the white, wh the whiteness, the pale stuff comes out of the black stuff. Right. There is an emergence that happens. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because of this. I believe that by the time. By the time Europeans started to move out and started to begin to e explore and, and genocide and do all the things that they did, right? There had been so much cleave from the understanding that they were part of the human condition that by the time they offered poor whites the idea not to be under the hammer of elite white bodies, they took it because of the brutality that had been beat into them for years at the hands of other white bodies. So for me, when I'm thinking about how this whole thing plays out, for me, I'm thinking about how does that, it's what I call HIPP, H-I-P-P, historical, intergenerational, persistent institutional and then our own personal traumas all get combined together so when something shows up like race we have these these re these reflexive pieces towards safety so one of the reasons why poor white people cling even right now even the 6000 mm -hmm. even the 6000 that decided that they were going to go to the capitol mm -hmm. and piss and shit in the halls Right. That 6000 are clean. This is why they like Trump, because Trump, it, the, the idea of Trump is very, very old. It goes back to European fiefdoms. Right. Wow. Yes. It goes it goes back to plantation. Right. The idea of a strong white man who is able to command everything that that ethos runs through white folks. Right. And so what we're struck, mm -hmm. what, what we're, and so this is why when I talk about white supremacy, I say white, what we're really trying to do is, is not just overthrow white supremacy as a concept, but what we're trying to do is really overthrow the idea of the white body as supreme. So for me, I feel like the, the method that I take in, in when I'm talking to people who identify as such is to really point out to them that this idea of whiteness was presented to you Absolutely. and thus you can hand it back. Now it doesn't mean that you are not 
outwardly identified as such, but how you inwardly identify is what determines your intentions and what determines your your purpose. It's what determines your perspective. So you can have an American consciousness. You know, you can have a connectivity to your Irish heritage. There is so much culture within your, you know, within your nationalism, within your ethnicity, et cetera. But this whiteness has been presented as more valuable. There it is. And it is. It is. It is back. The whiteness is back. Depending on what's valuable to you, though. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes. Because in a capitalist society, right, if if capitalizing is the most valuable thing to you, yes, you're white. I mean, it is valuable in the sense of like, you are safer, you are richer, you have more access, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you as a person are like, yeah, but having access to all of those things when other people don't doesn't make me feel secure. It doesn't make me feel richer. It doesn't make right. me feel That's then right. it doesn't really have the same value to you, <laughs> to you well, individually. Individually, there it is. There it is. To you individually. But what happened to me, to my people and your people, sis, did not happen to our people individually. No. It happened communally. And so for me, when white like, folks yeah. tell me that they're allies and all that stuff, the first thing that I want yeah. to say is you who, get the right to be individuals. Who holds you accountable? Right. Who are the people that you built that you're building a living embodied anti-racist culture with? I'm not interested in your self-declarations of allyship. Okay. White folks love self self-declarations of allyship, self-declarations that they're not that like that white boy or like Mm -hmm. that white girl, right? And that is irrelevant. Your niceness and your kindness is inadequate to the brutality that my people are experiencing every day. It is inadequate. I don't want you to spit in my food, but that is not the same thing as developing a living embodied anti-racist culture among white people. That does not exist. I'm not talking about your DEI work. I'm not talking about your bias work. (laughs) I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about you live in a society where you are advantaged. Pigment, your, your pigmentation gives you advantages. If, let, let me let me take. I have a person in my life, my my agent, who I've known. I've known him and his wife for over thirty something years, and he's a Jewish dude. He, he and so I've I've known I've known his wife. We were uh, organizers and stuff like that. And then when I started to write, she said, "Well, you should talk to my husband, right?" So now I talk. I'm talking to him, and and the way that I write this is that I go over to his house. He asked me questions. We recorded just like we're doing today. We recorded. And then we send the recording to a transcriptionist. Mm-hmm. She types it up, sends it back, and then we edit it. That's how, that's how I write. That's why it sounds like I'm talking, right? So one day we'll, so I'll tell you the story about, uh, about, uh, how, uh, the quaking, my new book, Quaking of America came about. So we're talking and he keeps saying, uh, he keeps conflating identity with body and identity with pigmentation. And I said, I said, as we're talking, this is something that I'm noticing that you're doing. He goes, well, it's the same thing. I said, no, it's not. He goes, no, no, 
I'm, I'm saying that that identity, people being brutalized by their identity and people being brutalized by uh, by body and race and pigmentation is saying, I think, no, it's not. How is that? One is a choice. Well, that's, well, and he, one he, is how you were entered into the world. Right. And so here's what I said. So I said, hey, I said, so let me help. Let me explain this to you. He said, okay. I said, you're Jewish. He said, yeah. I said, let's say I'm Jewish also. And me and you leave the temple and we're walking down the street and we get pulled over by the police. They pull up on us. And he said, stop. And I said, yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, identity and nationality is not the same thing as pigmentation and pigmentocracy. What I'm talking about is that you, I may be Jewish and you may be Jewish, but the pigmentocracy trumps that. And if you don't understand that, when people are, are living and working and dealing with life, me and you can have the same identity, same sexual orientation, same all of that different, all of that different type of stuff. And my pigmentation matters. My pigmentation matters in the gay community. My pigmentation matters mm-hmm. in, the, in the Jewish community. My mm-hmm. pigmentation matters in the Christian community. My pigmentation matters. And and my book, The Quaking of America, was all about how that pigmentation. We can't we 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 can't conflate nationality and identity with pigmentocracy and and white body supremacy. They are not the same things. So then in that, you're right. And as I, as you're speaking, I was like, oh, well, that's the thing. You know, white folks get the advantage of identifying. That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't, I don't get to let someone know, no, I'm this kind of black. That's right. That's right. Before they judge based on just my skin color. Before they before they riddle your apartment with fifty three bullets while you're walking down the hall seeing who the fuck is breaking into your house, before you are uh, 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 leaving a, a a a store here in Minneapolis and they decide they're going to put their knee on your neck, before you you say to the police officer, "Hey, I'm legally I'm legally able to carry this," and before you could get those words out your mouth, you done got bullets shot through your body, right? You don't get the, 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 I, there is not one identity that black people also are not. And we have to deal with the feralness of race. I was talking to my partner this morning. He was like, I really just feel like there's there would need to be some type of like machine to undo racism. He was like, I just feel like at this point, like people ain't going to do it. Like when we talk about the robots, like people would be like the robots are going to take over. I'm like, by all means, (laughs) come through. Come come on, let's do it right here, sir. (laughs) Because in these conversations, you know, I, I remember when Tanasi Coates, uh, someone had asked him, like, what do you think? How do you think we can end racism? He was like, I mean, I 
don't. And people right. were up in arms. That's right. They were like, oh my God, this is hopeless. How dare you present this hopelessness idea? You know, what am I about my children? And he was just like, I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, you ask me how I feel, this is how I feel. What do you feel? Because in these studies, I feel like you start to really understand that nuance. Yeah. And the nuance for me comes in realizing just how many folks don't even understand that they're perpetuating uh, white supremacy. Uh, and those, and, and a lot of those folks are black. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. You know, you know, anti-blackness is, um, is you don't have this, right. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> people really don't. I'm like, you can be black and anti-black. Come on. I always say like every black experience is a right. black experience That's unless right. you're anti-black. Exactly right. Exactly. Sorry, I said so, no, no, no. This see, we, there's nothing that I'm saying to you, sis, that you don't already know. And most of the most of the people that are on the, and especially the Black, Brown, and Indigenous bodies already know this. As we, as me and you were talking, most of the people right now are nodding their head if right. if, if they have a certain experience because they know it. All we're doing is articulating. You know, like Kimmy said, you know, this race thing, this race thing is basically not founded in hate. Is founded in self-interest, and and, mm. and, and mm. yeah, hate is a byproduct of the self-interest. And one of the things that I think about that about that piece is that this is why this is why um, um, you have black people that will align themselves with certain ideology and certain things because their own particular self-interest is served, right? And and the the piece about this is is that to me, as a as a clinical social worker, as somebody who works with the body, I understand self-preservation. I understand genuflecting to um, I gotta get mine. I understand that piece. But but what we do in this society is that we virtualize that piece as opposed to understanding that is actually tied to the baser parts of ourselves, not to the enlightened parts of ourselves. And so, so when I see some of these people sitting with Trump and, and sitting with other people and, and, and acting like, you know, all you got to do is pull yourself up by the bootstraps. bootstraps. Yeah. The first thing that I think of is brother, how, how, I can see, I know this system is feral. And I can see its imprint on you just from that move. Yes. I, can, I can see the pain in how you have been, how they have ripped your mouth open and stuffed this garbage down your throat that black people ain't nothing and white people's ice is colder and that, and that the intellectual, the intellectual, all of the intellectual understanding is on the white side and all of the, the degradation is on the black side. You got that in your mama's womb. I get it. But if you don't begin to interrogate that, if you don't begin to interrogate your own anti-blackness, and I mean your anti-blackness as it relates to trans people, I mean your anti-blackness as it relates to your sisters, mm-hmm. I mean your anti-blackness as it relates to capitalism, I mean your right, like, like, like interwoven into this, this way that you make your money or you get your prestige interwoven in that is really the death of your people. And, and you, and what we have to be about is playing enough with each other and our bodies so we can begin to allow some room. So the emergence of something else 
can happen. Anti-blackness is structural, right? Um, 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 in, uh, indigenous invisibility is structural. All of the uh, um, uh, the urge, you know, two there's two facets to white body supremacy that that is so insidious that even those of us that are somewhat conscious are are get trapped by it. Mm-hmm. There's two pieces. In order for white body supremacy to exist, you must have all. You must have two pieces. You must have urgency and stuckness at the same time. <sighs> okay. Urgency and stuckness. Elaborate, please. So let me give you an example. Just a little bit that I that I know about you. Uh, I, I be, and I'm not stalking you, but just <laughs> just a little bit that I know about you is that you work your ass off, right? Yes. You 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 work your ass off. Here's one of the things I would add. Just close your eyes for a second. Let's do this right. Close your eyes. Okay, they're closed. Okay. Imagine right now you're laying in your bed. Mm-hmm. And you're laying there, and the alarm clock goes off. Do you immediately shift out of bed, and your feet hit the floor, and you get moving, or do you lay there a little bit and let the quaking happen? Let the let let yourself let your body experience the urgency. Which do you do? The latter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Here's what it means is that the push, especially for black women, black women in this country is where America has always done its dirt. And so we've also ingested those pieces. The toughest thing that when I'm working with black women, one of the toughest things that I say to them and they they grunt when I say this. And so I'm going to be interested in you grunt when I say this. The hardest thing for a black woman to do is not the doing, but the not doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the ur- that that's drives it. me crazy. That's it. That's the urgency. That's the urgency. Because this whole thing is about production and produce. And if you don't begin to get reps in on the not doing, on the naps, on to allowing those those urges and those quakes to surface themselves so you can work with it as opposed to thinking that this is a testimony to my worthiness. Well, I'll tell you, I had to unlearn that. Yeah. I had to unlearn that. I had to really um come and th- there's a there's an Instagram page called the Nap Ministry. That, that's, that's, this is that's what those my people. That's our whole shit. Yeah. And um you know, I had to really just come to understand that my productivity, if not determined by me, that's it, is still putting me in the cycle of slavery and the ancestral DNA that that's is within it. me to say, I gotta meet this quota. Yeah. I gotta yeah. Yeah. like I had to during this pandemic was really when I really was like, if I don't finish what I'm doing by six, yes, I yes. need to just do it tomorrow. That's it. I don't owe, I don't even know myself. (laughs) I owe myself. You know what? I did an interview recently where someone asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) You know, and she was like, on moguldom and empire. Where do you see yourself? And I was like, on vacation. Come on. (laughs) Come on. And she was like, oh, I didn't, 
I didn't even, and was a sister. And she was like, I didn't even know that was an option. That's and exactly. I was like, yeah, I don't, I was like, I know y'all be seeing like these like big deals that folks be getting these million dollar deals and signing with so-and-so and who's he what. And I'm like, I yeah. see that. And I'm like, oh, that look like stress. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like benchmarks and deadlines. That's it. And That's appeasing it. and convincing a, bo- a, a body of bodies that do not align with my values, with my virtues, no, and, uh, no and int- with my and, vision. And they have no interest in it. None. None. And so I, I had to, I had to, in accordance with what you're saying, like I had to revisit and reanalyze how I show up in my work. That's it. Uh, in order to even come back to this space, because right. I really was like, I'm done with Hollywood. Like, I don't even want to be here. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't want to be here. And in order for me to like really come back here in a healthy way, I had to understand like the bottom line cannot be money based. Come on. I can't, I can't produce and create from that space. <laughs> Two, I cannot produce and create from a space of trying to appease whiteness. Come on. Um, because it's very tempting and people yes. will tell you all day long that like, yep. well, if you're trying to do this, you got to figure out how to do that. That's it. Um, and the thing is this, like, it's not to say that you shoot yourself in the foot, but at the right. same token, it's like, I don't need to pretend I'm not what I am in order to, um, in order to produce for this space. Do you know That's what I'm it. saying? Yeah, and, I know exactly and I know, what you're saying. And I know that that seems, I know people are listening like, well, then why you ain't got shit out yet? And it's like, I mean, first of all, getting anything made is a miracle, but, but it really is a decision you have to make for yourself. That's it. That's it. And I know so many of our listeners are listening to you and being like, and they did do that grunt because we are really trained and, and, and according to, you know, your, your studies, it's not even just trained within this lifetime. That's exactly right. Exactly right. This, the, the, so there, so, so it's, I, I just need to say this to you, sis. It is so beautiful watching you talk about this and talk about things like letting my body rest. And my dream is to be on vacation and to allow, um, myself, you know, this country cannot conceive collectively of a free black body. It is re- what you're talking about in terms of taking your own time and and um, 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 being for most of our history, the white body has had full and unfettered access to our bodies. Think about yes. this. Yes. I mean, I mean, that's obviously a problem for us, but it's a problem for them, too, because they expect our deference. They expect <laughs> that that's built into the structural piece. Right. And so to hear you say, nah. During the pandemic, I had to re, I had to shift some things. I had to work with some things and know, and knowing what I know about myself is that that's not an easy task to focus (laughs) on you and say, man, I got to work with all of this stuff that's moving through me. I actually have to hold this and I have to actually let other people hold it with me. Yeah. No, I'll just do it myself. No, don't do it yourself. But, but no, it'll get done. No, no. Cause the, cause the cooking is in the not doing. And so just and as that's a brother. A whole, that's so, but can I just, that's a whole other, <laughs> because then you realize this is the other T. Come on. In order to create 
a space of people that you can't even lean on to do that, you right. may have to also show up different. That's right. It. Because that's now, it. like morale is that's, everything, right? That's it. Trust is everything. And we do not come up in this capitalist system learning how to create a force of people that are moving in the same direction without it's always like fear-based, it's always punitive-based, it's always money-based and transactional business. It's business, this person is not, you know, and so I had to literally change my entire approach to my company. That's it. And the culture of my company. I had to change my entire approach to how I hire. Yeah. I had to change my entire approach to how I communicate. That's it. And and had to really come to understand. It's not to say that there aren't some effective tools that come out of corporate. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of like uh, making things easier for your team and workflow. But this idea of prioritizing productivity over the person. Yes. Come on. Come on. It doesn't on. win. It doesn't win you. Mm-mm. It doesn't, it doesn't really get it. I mean, for these, for these factory type scenarios, they don't give a fuck, but like no, no. the work I'm creating is, is love work. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you're, and you're cultivating and this is the piece. What you're doing is you're trying to cultivate something that can sustain, that can move past lifetimes. Yes. Right. That's, that's what you're doing. You're trying to, you're seeding the ground. So your people understand that they are not defective. And yes. that may mean you can't go into certain rooms mm-hmm. and that may mean you can't be in a, a part of certain talks and stuff like that. But what you're building will be sustainable because you're giving your people something that will allot the same way you had to come to it. You're saying, Hey, my people, y'all got to come to it like this too. And I'm here and I'm showing you and I'm doing these pieces and we may not get along and shit may happen and I may have to cut you off for a minute, but I ain't got to hate you. I ain't got to, right? This is, see, sis, what you're talking about right now is something that I've been seeing for the past four years. Something different is cooking underneath the surface. So like the blackness, I, I talk about blackness as emergent blackness, right? Mm-hmm. That, the, the, that the birthing blackness, the blackness, the blackness of the womb, as opposed to the blackness of the tomb. That's what I'm talking mm. about. I'm talking about the, that there's possibility here. And the way that you're talking right now, we weren't talking about this five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. We weren't talking about like, like, Think about it like this. There's no reason why. This is why I say black people are so beautiful. I may not like everything that black people do, but I love black people. That that there's no reason why Charlemagne should be opening up his network in the way that he's opening up his. I saw it. I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because people ain't people ain't watching what he's doing. People are not watching that he's giving room for other people to be exposed in things and he ain't asking for a kickback. And he ain't asking for this. And so when something happens to him and he and and, and people ain't, you know, and I've heard from a while, I just sent him a text or something like that. And he said, Hey King, what's going on? Like just because and it ain't about me wanting something from him, him wanting something from me. It's about brother, I love you. And if I can make room, I'm going to make room. In my little circle, you make room. In your little circle. Sis, that type of, that level of, of, of conversation, that's new. 
that you're starting to see something because there's a foundation that's being, but the fact that me and you are even talking, right? Why should, why should an author of my grandmother's hands and Amanda, why should we be talking? Why should we, why are we talking? Because there's alignment and that's starting to be surfaced more and more and more. And that's what a lot of these, a lot of these companies are, are, are afraid of that that me and you can do something with each other and not even talk about how the money is going to be split. We'll figure it out. We're going to work. like, like, like these, I mean, you have to handle business, but then there's this, like this love piece where like, yes, no, you matter to me too. Right. That's so, so I, so even though I talk a lot about the trauma, I also talk about the joy too. There is, there are pieces that are being cultivated right now amongst our people. If you're watching with the right, uh, if you're listening with the right heart, you'll see it. But but uh, don't get me wrong. We still got sick as well, our, our people are hurt. Our yeah. people are hurt. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I really see some things changing. Well, y'all, the conversation with Resma was so incredible that we had to come back. We had to hit y'all with a part two. So make sure that you come back next week to Small Doses so you can hear more from me and Resma Menikam. A podcast network. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.